Welcome to the Grow Bold with Disability podcast, brought to you by Ferros Care, a podcast dedicated to smashing stereotypes and talking about the things people with disability care about most, to help us live bolder, healthier, better connected lives. I'm journalist Pete Timms. And I'm Tristan Peters. I work for Disability Service Directory Clickability and am a wheelchair user living with spinal muscular atrophy. Today's episode of Grow Bold with Disability is growing bold with assisted technology. And our guest is Angus McConnell, an old mate of mine who became a C4 quadriplegic after a cycling accident in 2013. In this episode, we'll discover what happened to Angus, his struggle with being a quadriplegic, and how virtual reality has helped his rehabilitation. Gus, welcome to Grow Bold with Disabilities. Thanks, Pete. Hey, Tristan. G'day. Now, mate, tell us, um, uh, let's head back to 2013. Tell us about that fateful day. Uh, mate, I was riding my push bike down a hill uh, here in Newcastle, uh, Memorial Drive, it's called, and it leads down to Cooks Hill Surf Club. It's a pretty steep hill, and you go, you roll about 60 on your push bike down there, and a uh, car came up the other way and paused as I was coming down the hill and then turned across me as I got there. Um, I ended up having a bit of a collision with that car and riding it off. Jeez. Oh, my God. So just you at, what, 85 <laughs> kilos coming down the hill at 60, totaled a car. Calm down with 85 kilos. Pete, I was fit. <laughs> so, Gus, what, what was the initial diagnosis? What um, You obviously went to hospital. What was the diagnosis that you got? Um, so at the back of the truck, I was awake. Um, and... And look, you know, they were asking the usual questions. Can you feel me? Can you feel this? And I and I couldn't. But I, yeah. at that point, you don't really, you, you know, that's way too early, and you're not thinking about, you know, I'm going to be a spinal cord injury. Um, and then in the hospital, I was pretty banged up, as you can imagine. And I spent a lot of time on, on a resus machine, so I couldn't talk to my family and friends who were all visiting. And uh, yeah, yeah, I had a, a tube down my throat, which, um, as you probably understand, Pete was uh, a drastic change for me not being able to talk. <laughs> Most peace your family's had in years, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, somewhat, somewhat, a little bit of a shock. But, um, yeah, so so in hospital, yeah, um, you, you learn pretty quickly what you can and can't do. Um, there's a little thing called shock that um, you, you may come out of it, but uh, basically I can move my arms and... Um, but can't clench fists properly. And from essentially, I was diagnosed at the time C7 complete and uh, and still am. But uh, I, I had a syrinx later on in about six months down the track, which is a which is another an implica- a, a little bit of a problem um, that means uh, puts pressure on the on the spinal cord and and then I yeah, graduated to C4 um, sometime later. So how, how was your mental state with this? We obviously know your physical state, Gus. What was going through your head after your diagnosis and then as it went by and you could say, well, this is, you know, this is pretty permanent? Yeah, it's a pretty horrible time. Um, look, at it, it is. It's, it's drastic. But um, fortunately in my, in my uh, state of mind, you, you, you land in hospital. You, I spent about eight weeks down at Royal North Shore Hospital. Um, uh, first, first, sorry, firstly in Newcastle Hospital for a week, uh, where they did an operation which turned out didn't quite work, and uh, and so went down to Royal North Shore 
or got halfway down in a helicopter actually and turned back because it was too windy to land. Um, so I ended up at North Shore after after a good time, and you're in a you're in a ward full of people with spinal cord injury, pretty much, essentially. And uh, look, it's it's harrowing, but there's there's people around you who are who are going through the same ordeal, I guess. Um, for me, being a forty one year old fella with a family, um, a young family at, at that, and um, mate, it, it gives you drive to to keep going and push on. Um, yeah, you ne- you just need to. Uh, there's some older guys there who I I hats off to them. I don't know what kept them going because it's a mate. It crushes you um, to find out that you can't. What you've been doing for 40 years, all of a sudden you can't do anymore. Yeah, and Gus, you mentioned your family there. Um, what effects did this sort of have on your relationships with your family and friends? Was was there a difference? Yes, yeah, certainly. All of us look. I, um. Physically, physically is the biggest impact. Um, mm. Other mentally, yeah. Look, there's a lot to deal with uh, physically. All of a sudden, you you can't go to the toilet by yourself, let alone walk down the street. Um, you can't stand up at a at a at a pub. This is obviously much further down the down the track, but you can't stand up and interact socially with people at a at a party or a you know even a gathering, um, and where everyone in those situations where everyone stands up all the time, it's really frustrating. You can't, your diaphragm is squashed all day because you're sitting down. So you've got to yell with a, with uh, lungs and diaphragm that don't work properly. So your voice box is inhibited. So my usual loud voice isn't, isn't that anymore. Um, and you're yelling up to people who are, who are talking down at you. It's just, it's, um, it's really frustrating. Imagine sitting in the pub all sitting there while everyone else around there around you is standing. It's it's very frustrating. I don't like that. Absolutely. Gussie, what when you got out of hospital and you sort of came to grips with what was going on, let's say twelve months down the track, what did the doctor say your future held for you? Um oh look, the message was very much forget about from your essentially my nipple line down. Forget about that. Don't you know look after it, but essentially you won't be using that again. Um, and concentrate on what you've got. So a little bit of arm movement, which I'm very fortunate in my position, my um, uh, my biceps and triceps move. Um, Tristan, you probably understand that I can I can pull my arms back to a position, so I push myself around in a day in a, a, a in a normal chair, a push chair, rather than being in an electric chair. Yeah, so. absolutely. And on that, you um. Obviously, the doctors are giving you this sort of feedback, and it was around then that you decided to look into alternative therapies. Um, how did that path? Where did you go down that path? Yeah, that's right. So it was about a year down the track. Look, I was, I've remained pretty positive to to try and be, or you know, without sounding too corny, be all that you can be, sort of thing. Um, you know, keep pushing, knowing that you know, in a seven only seven years ago knowing that technology would be coming um, and then it's difficult to find mainstream mainstream as you as you're probably aware mainstream medicine was really quite um, shut to trying to push push to help to do anything so what you what you do yeah. you, you look outside the box and I, I found a fellow called Rowan O'Reilly um, who all he does is think outside the box this fellow he's, a, he's an amazing. Um, he's, a, he's an amazing chap and I, I think 
uh, you guys are looking at going to talking to him um, sometime down the track, which would be he, he's keen for and um, something you definitely should do rather, rather than me yapping mm. away. Um, but I, I found Rowan and his technical mind um, and, and empathetic and his empathy as well. Um, mate, the guy is, is absolutely unbelievable. And he sort of came up with the idea of using all kinds of technologies on me and I'm, I'm open to it because he's getting results. I can, I can now move my foot, um, certainly after a little bit of stimulation in, in my feet. Um, and then we turn everything off and strip me down and all, all I've got is, is my brain doing the work. Um, I can move my foot. I can pull it. I can pull my feet back in dorsiflexion now, and um, it's it's a, it's, it's mm. pretty amazing to see that come along. Fantastic. Considering I, I wasn't able to do that, yeah, yeah. How so? Rowan's a movement therapist. How has he got you to this point? What's he doing that's different to everyone else? So we use all manner of um, technology, from um, a hard bristled brush uh, to a, a essentially a. A, a, yeah, a well-rounded and, and crafted stick, um, a nice little piece of timber. Um, <laughs> so you know, high high level stuff. And then and then we also <laughs> we also move a little bit further down historical pages and and use electronic gadgets, um, stim machines, electronic stimulation, um, a machine born out of American military technology, um, which was to get their guys back up and walking. Um, a thing called the Parastep machine. Um, if you can imagine a tens machine that you might have had on a on an ankle injury or something, and it and you turn that up to ten, that's that's really quite uncomfortable. Um, well, that machine pumps out about fifty milliamps of uh, of power. Now, to put that in in, in some that's that's just to rel- so you can might be able to relate to it. Ten to fifty milliamps of power in a tens machine. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing we use is a Myo Plus, which is a a really souped up um, tens machine essentially, and it's got a varying programs. Um, it's got ninety milliamps of power, so um, it yeah. really it re- it can really throw some <laughs> stuff out. But this para para step, the difference in para step is that um, where the electrodes are touching your skin, um, each each electrode will do something at a different time. Where on a tens machine or the or the um, or the Myo Plus, you mach- your um, or, or, even any program that you're using, all the power goes at the same time. So drum beats all yep. all happening at the same time on your skin. The parastep works in a little bit differently. Um, and mind you, just to put the milliamps on a parastep machine, rank that up, crank, crank that up to ten, and you're 250 milliamps of power. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, sort of make a horse jumper fence sort of thing. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's 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 um it's a powerful machine, but what it does, it's got a sit to stand function, and it and it pumps at your glutes first, and then your where your quads are kick your quads will kick in after that, and then your perineals, which lock your knees into joint, they kick in afterwards. So you stand up with the thing. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a good bit of gear. And so you you mentioned yeah. the pub early going to the bar. Have you used that stand to chair stand chair at the pub before or? <laughs> No, nah, no, I think I'd throw myself out of my chair and just and fall over and knock knock stools over, and then very, very unhappy people with schooners going everywhere. So, um, no, I haven't tried that yet, um, but we do do that. And what we what it does is it has pumped my legs up and kept them 
essentially preconditioned to accept any of the technology that's coming as far as stem cell, and we're so close. There's trials, I believe, happening up in Queensland this mm. year. Um, so I'm looking to get involved with that too. Um, so what it's done is keep me preconditioned. My legs look like probably probably a lot stronger than Tim's uh, than Pete's legs there. But um, <laughs> turn it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, look. When I wait, I wasted away in hospital, so I had nothing. I've built back to. I'm built back now to to. Not quite what I was, but um, certainly, certainly, looking half normal. Mate, tell us about the um, virtual reality therapy. How that worked. So one of the other things we use with with Row at um, Engage VR. Um, one of the things we use there. Sorry to plug there, but um, that's that's what the company's called that he he's working with. Um, at, at Engage, we're um, one of the things. So, so VR is used and and it couples with as as you know vr with gaming um all of that sort of stuff um you know you can you've got all kinds of haptic technology which um you know now you can you can put a glove on and as you're pulling the trigger it can actually you know you'll you'll feel a bit of recoil in a gun or you can feel a butterfly or a sparrow land on your finger um and and so that haptic technology um will is 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 enabling people to to feel a little bit of what's happening and what's going on to to authenticate the experience in under VR. Um, what Rowan thought about with VR was um, we can use that in therapy, and what we can get out of that is essentially someone. I'm just going to side sidestep here a little bit. So someone using someone has a stroke, and their left side of their body, you know, traditionally um, gets injured and or or stops working essentially. Um, there's a technique that they use um, very frequently with with the recovery of stroke called a mirror box. And you put your arm in the mirror box and you put your right arm down next, your left arm goes in the mirror box, your right arm goes down next to the mirror box and you start moving your right arm. And obviously your brain can see your right arm moving and it can see now the reflection of your right arm moving, which looks like your left arm. And it reboots your brain into... Right, my left arm moves, and then all of a sudden it'll start moving. VR, when you go, have you been into VR, you guys? I've used it once or twice. Likewise. Certainly, the people out in out in um, podcast world may have tried VR. If not, go and try it and mm-hmm. look. And and if you can put earphones on as well, look at how amazing um, the feeling that comes back out of, as you come out of VR. Mm. Uh, like you're, it's a total sensory. Um, involvement in 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 the experience, which is which is quite amazing. So you you go in there and you you can see that it's a cartoon land, and you're all you might be doing is pulling a bow and arrow and shooting some little guys who are attacking your castle, say, or um, yep. you know shooting some zombies, or or having a you know riding a unicorn and flapping the wings and riding a bike. Um, so you can do all those things. You come out of this cartoon land, and you go, oh, that's right, I'm not in cartoon cartoon land, I'm I'm back in the real world, and and it feels like you're in a cartoon. That's Rowan. Rowan had a had a go at that and thought this is going to be absolute game changer for um, the world of neuroscience. In that you're totally immersed in there, not dissimilar to the mirror box technique. VR is going mm-hmm. is helping you trick your brain into thinking this is what I can do. So now all of a sudden you put 
gloves and, and legs on. And you can go for a walk in VR if you're harnessed up and you can go for a walk on a treadmill or down a track that, that, um, that Rowan's having set up at the moment. And we can move my body with the parastep on as well. We can move my body. I can look down in VR and see my legs moving. And that's going to trick my brain, we think, somewhat into helping, helping my, um, my brain and nervous, central nervous system um, reboot somewhat and start working. And certainly grow the, the neural pathways and regrow like we know they ha- that, that happens at the moment. It's amazing what's happening. How far do you think this is before becoming mainstream and sort of becoming regular practice? Oh, look, it's, I, I think it's um, the evolution has begun. Um, another place that I go to physio, it's a neuro rehab physio gym, essentially, um, where all the gang there are, are a physio, qualified physios, um, exercise physio, physiologists, um, etc. And it's completely accessible. So, and, and those guys are, are training, you know, it's physios doing the work. I stand up with them without any of the electronic equipment. I um, push myself off the end of a plinth, essentially, and one of the girls locks my knees in um, mechanically and she sits behind me and holds me up and um, we stand there, and um, which, is, which is all good for you know, all manner of things, muscle stretching, bone density, um, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So it's, we're, we're built to stand up. We need to keep standing up. So, Gus, what what do you what do you see the future holding? Now, you, you spoke about they're doing a lot of stuff with brain um, stem cells. Yeah. What are you hearing there? The combination of this, of all this technology, and where do you see this? Where do you see this in ten years? Uh, in ten years, mate, I'll be walking. Amazing. Um, and I, look, I think it won't be too long. I can't put a date on it, but um, I think you'll go into hospital as a spinal cord injury. And you'll be walking out the door. I think that's where it's heading. Um, obviously, mainstream medicos need to get on board. Um, and I think the younger generation, you know, I've had, I have carers, I have full-time care. Um, when, when I say full-time, I, I need someone to get me up in the morning. I need someone to put me to bed at night. Um, I need someone to help me go to the toilet and to shower, etc., etc. Um, the guys I use mostly are uni students who are coming through as physios and OTs and nurses. And most recently, I've had a doctor. And here they come. The new, the next generation will want to be fixing people, not just um, patching them up and sending them on their way, I think. It's, it's um, amazing. It's it's phenomenal to see what's happening. Um, and, and kudos to advances in medicine. It's brilliant. Now, Gus, as you know, this podcast is called um, Grow Bold with Disability, mate. Tell us, we like to finish off with you telling us what living a bold life is to you. Uh, mate, I, I've, I've kept doing things to, I grow, my family are growing up. I've got a 13 year old son is the youngest, um, two that are older than that. Go and break the boundaries that, um, that you not only, um, society might be putting on you, but, um, the ones that you're putting on yourself. Go and put yourself out of your comfort zone. Uh, since I've been in a chair, I've, um, you know, we've been all over the world. Uh, we've, I've paddled a, most recently in Hawaii, I've paddled a, an outrigger canoe in the surf. I've jumped out of a plane with my sister on my back, obviously, Pete, you know that. Um, yep. <laughs> and she, and, um, you know, just keep living life. 
Gus, you're an absolute inspiration, mate. Thanks so much for joining us here today on Grow Bowl with Disability, podcast brought to you by Ferros Care. And our listeners can find out more about Gus and his incredible journey in links provided in today's episode show notes, mate. Thanks again for so much, Gus. Cheers, Gus. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And if you have enjoyed today's episode, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Grow Bold with Disability. And if you like what you heard, then please take a few moments to pop over to iTunes and give our podcast a quick rating so we can continue these conversations and encourage people to grow bold. This podcast is brought to you by Ferros Care, a people care organisation committed to helping people live bolder lives. We call it Growing Boldly, and for over 25 years, Ferros has been making it real for both older Australians and those living with disability. To find out more, head to ferroscare.com.au.